you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Shelby Fowler. You can find her at fimpiremedia.com. She is a Facebook ads expert, which is something that you folks have questions about all the time. Instagram ads as well. And we're going to dive into it today. Welcome to the show, Shelby. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to get into this. And uh, also... You are a educator yourself. You have your own academy. So we'll get into that whole thing later too, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but first, uh, just to give you a little bit of, uh, just to kind of frame it in for the audience here, we've got p- coaches, course creators, people building training-based membership sites, and everybody is constantly asking and looking for ways to get more traffic. They want to do paid traffic. They don't want to waste money. Um and also, there's a lot of professionals in this in our Facebook group that actually, uh, you know, provide marketing services, and they're trying to figure out how to do Facebook ads and and do a good service for their clients. So, we're gonna try to learn as much as we can from you today. Um, yeah. What? Let's start with the mistakes. What if somebody's gonna do? I've got a course, and I'm gonna do Facebook and Instagram ads. What are the top mistakes that you see? Ooh, that's a great question. The first one is not spending enough money. I think a lot of people, especially if you are doing your own ads and you don't have a background of advertising, um, a lot of people, they have no idea what things are supposed to cost, how long it takes for ads to optimize, which is, you know, a fancy term of basically meaning that when you submit an ad, Facebook takes a little time to kind of figure who your ad is for, who likes it, and to get it out to a lot of people, right? So that's the big, one of the biggest things, just not spending enough money. I talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, I ran it at like 20 bucks a day or 10 bucks a day. And quite frankly, that's just not enough money, especially if your program, your course, uh, if you're running ads directly to a sales page, for instance, you need to be spending more money. If you have a large audience and you're just retargeting the people that are in your audience, you can spend a little bit less money because they're already a warmer audience. But when you're running ads to people who have no idea who you are, you're going to have to, you're going to have to spend some money. Can you give us a sense on, uh, just on that one? If somebody's starting out, let's say they don't have an audience yet, what would be, and they're like trying to MVP it and just get some traction. What What's a range of uh, daily or weekly ad spend to to take it seriously for their first try? Yeah. So most people sell their courses or programs through a conversion event. So if you have a webinar, if you have a launch of some sort, a presentation, a masterclass, a five-day challenge, whatever it is, you want to and you're running ads right now, the average cost per registration is about somewhere between eight and $12. So if you're somewhat per registration, keep in mind. So if you take, let's say 10 bucks 
and you want 300 people in your conversion event, then you're going to multiply 10 by 300 and you're going to have a rough estimate of how much money you're going to need to spend to get that amount of people into your conversion event. So I like to kind of reverse engineer it and go work backwards. Like what's my goal? And then kind of work backwards. How much do I need to spend based on average metrics? Now that's, you know, it's going to depend on your industry because we do have clients that are like targeting attorneys that have their own law practice. Well, that's a very niche, higher end market. So, you know, that client is spending a little bit more for a lead, but that also they're, you know, they're charging 30 grand for a program. So that pays off. Right. So and if you're like maybe a life coach, your lead cost might be a lot lower. So just, I'm just giving you kind of the average there reverse engineer. I would say if you want 300 people in your event, multiply it by 10. What's another mistake besides not the, spending enough? What's another big not, one? Yeah. Not spending enough. And then I would say, your creative is not great. (laughs) So I see a lot of ads that just aren't catchy enough. And I, I think everyone needs to think about how much content we are constantly, constantly consuming. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, and everybody is vying for your ideal client's attention, right? There's so many other people running ads, but in addition to that, their family members are posting, their friends are posting, their, uh, you know, celebrities are posting and people are, I mean, just so much content that you're consuming and everybody is in what I call scroll mode, right? You're like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The idea here is that your ad graphic or video needs to be scroll stopping. So it needs to be like, oh, wait, that's that grabbed my attention, right? They need to stop their scroll and look at your ad. It's the first thing someone sees when they're scrolling. So they're not reading your ad copy yet. They're not clicking on the ad and going to your sales page yet. They're just looking at your graphic or video. So you need to make sure that it's getting, it's bold enough. It's going to get the attention of your ideal client. I see a lot of people put words on their graphics that don't mean anything for your ideal client. So let's say it's for a conversion event. Um, You know, make sure that the verbiage, the words on the graphics are telling your ideal client what's in it for them. What are they going to walk away with? You need to, I, I see a lot of people just put like three day sales challenge. Okay. But like, give them what, what are they going to get? Like, are they going to get 10 clients in five days? Are they going to get, you know, give them something juicy, tell them what they're going to walk away with. If somebody's not heard the term sales conversion event or what, what, how would you define that? So I would say a conversion event is going to be something like, it's going to be a presentation event that you are are doing to introduce yourself and really establish yourself as the authority in the industry. So let's say that you are, let's say you're a sales coach. Okay. Like you teach sales to entrepreneurs. Well, 
inside of your conversion event, maybe that's a webinar or a masterclass, it's some sort of, you know, presentation, you're establishing establishing yourself as the authority, as the expert. This is why you're good at sales. And you're giving the audience some, you're giving them some, some juice. You're giving them some value for free, typically, because you want them to have a quick win, some quick takeaways and realize like, oh, she or he is the bomb.com. They know what they're talking about. And then they'll ideally like, know, and trust you, right? Because we're, if you're running ads to a cold audience, what mistake, and this could be another mistake here is that you have to, it's really hard to sell to people who don't know who you are. It's a lot easier to sell to people who are already following you, who are already on your email list, who are already consuming your content. So when you're running ads to people that don't know who you are, cold audience, that's what we call it. You want to make sure that you are having some sort of conversion event because you have to establish that like, no trust factor because they don't know who the heck you are. They don't know you're an expert. They don't know your background. They haven't been consuming your content. They're not on your email list, right? So you have to quickly establish yourself as the go-to in the marketplace. So that's like, that's really what a conversion event is going to be good for. It's going to convert a cold audience into a warmer audience, right? They're going to now know who you are. They're going to know your background. They're going to know that, you know, what the heck you're talking about. For a, like a funnel that kind of has Facebook ad driving traffic at the top. um, You know, I think there's this mistake. A lot of people point it to the sales page and they skip what you're talking about. Some people, like if you were to advise somebody who's maybe not that strong at marketing and they, but they're, they got a great site. Maybe it's a sales coach or something. And, uh, they've, they've got a lead magnet. They've got a webinar. Like what's a simple funnel they should, they could do. Should they point the Facebook ad at the, the conversion event? Should they point it at like their free resource more higher up on the customer journey? Like how should they think about where Facebook ads fit in? Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of different ads that you could run. My recommendation is to run them to an opt-in page or registration page for a conversion event. Because if you just had a freebie, let's say you have like a free guide um, and you're just, it's a lead magnet. You want someone to put in their name and email address. They're going to get a freebie in in their email and they're on your email list. The hard part with that, and I'm not saying those aren't great ads because it's always good to build your list. However, those those do not convert quickly. It is the long game. When you're building your email list, you're not going to get a quick win here. It's going to be down the road that you'll see a return on that investment. So I always recommend the quickest way to get an ROI is a conversion event. So I would run ads to an opt-in page, right? Where they just click on the ad, they're going to a landing page and it says, register for this free training, blah, 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 blah. And they put in their name, email address. I would have them put their phone number. And I've seen some people ask for like their Instagram handle, which I thought was really smart because then you can message them on Instagram if you needed to. Um, And then they're going to register for that. And then they're going to get emails. And you can either do this evergreen, meaning that it's always running. Maybe it's a pre-recorded 
workshop or masterclass or webinar, or you can do it live. And I recommend if you haven't done it before to do it live so that you can work out the kinks before you're running ads to a workshop that you don't know works. Like do it live the first time um, until you can get a a good conversion rate. Meaning what that is, is about 2%. So 2% of the people that register for your event need to convert into buyers. So you mentioned uh, there's kind of like this more long game opt-in prospect list building campaign, but then there's the conversion event ads campaign, which is the best place to go if you're really looking for ROI quickly. What about, teach us about retargeting. What if we have lots of people visiting our sites, but they're not buying right away? What are some best practices around Facebook ads for retargeting? Yeah, absolutely. So I recommend if you have a lot of traffic or a larger audience, you can always run you can always run retargeting ads and they don't have to be expensive. You can do like 10 bucks a day because it's a lot less expensive to run ads to people who already know who you are. And typically it's going to be a smaller audience compared to the like 5 million people in the audience that you're running for your cold traffic campaigns. So I would say that you can do, I've seen clients do like maybe giving a discount for, I'll give you an example here. We have a client who's a coach and she also sells planners for real estate agents. And we, we retarget the people who go to her website to look at the planners, but don't purchase. And so they get a $10 off coupon. So they get that via ads. So there's an ad that goes out to people that do not buy. And it's basically just, Hey, here's this planner. It's an all in one. You need it, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then it's a $10 off. And so if they click on that, they are redirected to a page that they get that planner for 10 bucks off. Right. So that's actually yielded quite a few sales. And what you have to remember is that sometimes people get busy. So maybe they were going to sign up for something that you have or buy something that you have, but you know, kids are calling in the other room, dinner's ready. You get a phone call. I mean, life's busy for all of us. I've certainly have like added things to cart and then been like, oops, forgot about it. Like, and then I go back, didn't I order that? Oh, I forgot about it. So retargeting is a really great way. Also, for those of you who are not necessarily selling a physical product or maybe your programs or offers are on the higher end, like they're a higher ticket. What I like to do, and this is like very um, Grant Cardone, and I'm not a huge fan of him, but what, you know, what I like to do is when someone gets in your funnel, whether that's on your website, whether that's following you, whether that's joining your email list or signing up for something, you want to be unforgettable. Like they cannot escape you. You are everywhere. So what I like to do is constantly be running just like nurturing ads for like five bucks a day. And maybe it's a short two minute video that I'm like, Hey, here's a quick tip. Blah, 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 blah. I will run those for clients and ourselves like in our business uh, because people will never forget us then. Top of mind. 
Exactly. It's just like being hyper visible. That's cool. Um, a couple more types I wanted to ask you about. There's the lookalike campaign. If we have like a customer list, tell us about lookalike and if that's worth doing. Yeah. So a lookalike campaign look or audience looks like taking your warm audience, like an email list, or it could even be like your Facebook following or Instagram following. And what you can do is once you have the information inside of Facebook, right? If you upload an email list, what you can do is then create a lookalike audience, which means Facebook will take the data. They'll pull the data from everybody who's in that list that you gave them. And it's going to create another audience that has similarities as the list you gave them, right? So if your audience is, let's say, attorneys, it's you have a, an email list of 3,000 attorneys. This is great. I just coming up with this stuff on the top of my head here. But um, let's say that, you know, you're creating a lookalike audience of that. You're going to get an audience that has similarities. Now, here's the pros and the cons. If you have a very specific niche, lookalike audiences don't always work because it's not going, Facebook isn't going to just pull, let's say, all attorneys. Um, it might be someone who went to the same college or it might be someone who also has two kids and a dog, or it might be someone who also likes these certain Facebook pages. It might be someone who also recently got married, right? It's not necessarily going to work out for you. The lookalike audiences aren't going to be the best if you have a very niche market. However, if you have a little bit more of a broad market, they can work really well. So keep that in mind. It's really going to depend on who you serve and what you offer. Let's talk about the boosting the post thing. Facebook makes it really easy for people to spend money boosting a post. Is that a waste of time or is that something to focus on? Okay. So I have a very interesting perspective here because Facebook has a point system. Okay. We don't know what our score is, but we're all scored by Facebook. And a few things that increase our score is having higher engagement on our Facebook page and our Instagram pages. Okay. So, and and remember that Facebook owns Instagram. So your ads will automatically be put on Instagram as well. So, um, so when I say Facebook and Instagram, that's why. So when your score is higher, your ads will actually perform better. Okay. And that's why you'll hear people who are just starting ads for the first time say, I have to season my account, which means like, I don't have any juice back here. I got to kind of build it up. My Facebook doesn't know, know me yet. They don't like me yet. So I have to kind of build up my points with them. Um, now when you have higher engagement on your Facebook page and Instagram page, you have higher points, right? And then Facebook's Um, your ads will do better. So in that case, it's good to do boosted posts once in a while because it will increase your engagement, which will, will ultimately help your ads in the long run. Okay. They'll perform better. So I would say in that case, I'm pro boosting. In any other case, I am not for boosting posts. And the reason why is boosting a post is not the same as running a Facebook ad. It's not. 
So when you create ads, you want to do it inside of ads manager. Okay. And when you do that, you have a lot more ability to customize who sees it, to customize what type of ad. Um, you have a lot more capabilities and you have, it's just a lot more options. So you want to make sure that you're doing your ads inside of um, ads manager. Let's talk about goals. Ziv in the audience was saying that for him, conversion campaigns, the cost has been going up a lot. There's all these different goals like uh, video views, uh, engagement, website traffic, conversions. I mean, we all want conversions, mm -hmm. but when we're setting up an ad, which kind of goals should we go for or where should we focus? If your budget isn't large, go with traffic. So if you're wanting to get conversions, but you don't have a lot of money to spend, then go with traffic campaigns. So that's going to get the people to your website. It's going to optimize your ad so that your ad is being delivered to people who are more likely to click on it and go to your website. Now, I want you to make sure then that you like duplicate your funnels and everything in the back end so you can look back there and get a very clear idea of who's coming from ads and you're not mixing it with your organic traffic too. Because when it's all mixed together, then you have really no idea if the ads are working really well because reporting is kind of a hot mess. I've made uh, that mistake. Could you kind of clarify what that means? So you really should have like separate landing pages and whatnot for even though you have a Facebook pixel and stuff installed. Yep. And just yeah. explain that a little more why that's important. Yeah. So let's say you have a, you like your landing page that you typically are run, like sending traffic to. Let's say it's what, a webinar registration or something. Perfect. Okay. So it's a webinar registration page. I would suggest duplicating that page, copying it so that it looks exactly the same, but it's a different URL, right? It's a different like link. And then you're going to run only Facebook ad traffic or ad traffic through that one. So anytime you're posting on Facebook, it would be the original link, the original page. That way you can see in your back end of your website, oh, I got this many registrations from, you know, posting on Instagram. I've been doing that every day. So you kind of have a really clear idea of your numbers and where traffic is coming. And that way you also know what's working, right? If if you don't do that, then you have no idea where traffic is coming. You just see that you have a lump sum of registrations and you're like, I don't know if this came from me posting on Facebook or Instagram or ads. I have no idea. So the reason why you want to have separate channels for these forms of traffic is because iOS of the iOS update came out earlier this year. And it, and I'm sure we all know it's like been a pain in the butt for all advertisers. And part of that is that we do not have the ability to track the way we used to. And so, so the Facebook if, pixel on a smartphone, Angela in our audience was asking about this specifically with the, mm -hmm. the Apple updates. So you're saying that the Facebook pixel can't really track as well on an Apple product. It's not. So yeah. And they've come out and said, it's like over 90% of users, Apple users have opted out of, of being tracked. So that means that if I'm on my Apple device now, I personally allowed it because I don't like getting ads that don't pertain to me. So I'd rather get ads that are stuff I like. So 
I am on an Apple device. 90% of Apple users, they're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. They see your ad, right? They click on the ad. And now if you have opted out of allowing tracking, then Facebook cannot, once you click on the ad, we don't know what happens. Facebook has no idea, right? And they're they're coming out with new technology and, and software and things like that to try to figure out how to kind of remedy the situation, but it's still not perfect. So that's why we want to have duplicate funnels for things so that you can see on the back end that it's working. And we have saw this, especially I'll give you a, a quick story because I'm sure a lot of you guys have experienced this. If you've been running ads, we had a client and this was about in April, which was like the height of the iOS, like hot messery. Okay. Everybody's yeah. freaking out. And inside of Facebook, it's showing that she had zero registrations for her webinar or her, her conversion event. And we're spending money we're like, oh my gosh, thankfully we had duplicate funnels. Cause if, when we looked in the back end, she had like over 200 huge discrepancy right now. If we looked at Facebook, we would see it doesn't work. The ads aren't working. So we're going to shut them off. But when we look in the back end, we're like, oh, they actually are working. And for what she had spent and how many registrations she got, the cost was actually pretty decent. So what you'll find is Facebook is either under-reporting, so it's not reporting enough, or it's over-reporting. And that's happened a lot too, where Facebook is starting to, because it doesn't have data, it's guessing. So it's like projecting what the results probably are, but it's off by a lot. So we've seen this too, where people look inside of Facebook and they're like, yippee, I have 500 people registered. And then they look in their website provider in the back end and they have like three. So you cannot trust Facebook's reporting. <laughs> Long story short. So you want to make sure that you do what you can to be able to track the traffic correctly. So, and if this sounds difficult, it's not that crazy because it's what we're duplicating is like a face uh, a webinar um, registration page, a thank you page after they register, and is that it? Like a couple yeah. of pages. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, people doing video and images that aren't really attention grabbing, and how? First of all, like video versus images, and then there's the actual copy or title, headlines, and text that go with a Facebook ad, what are some best practices there? Like yeah. which one should we do and how do we optimize those three things? So video is awesome. I definitely suggest testing it because we have clients whose video ads do really, really well. And then we also have clients whose graphics do better. It's going to be different for all of you. So just test it, test graphics and video and see what performs best for you. I'll tell you that with your graphics, okay, with your images for your ads, there's a few little secrets here and I'll share them with you. Don't tell anyone. But one is that you want to make sure there's not a ton of text on your graphics. So Facebook will penalize you. They came out about a year ago and said that like, we're no longer going to penalize you for having too many words on your graphics. That's not true. They still are. So um, just make sure that about 
you don't want like half your graphic to all text, right? So make sure that about 20% of it is text and the rest is like imagery. Okay. Not too much text. The second thing is that you want to use brighter, bolder colors if possible. Now, some of you are going to say, Shelby, that's not my branding though. Like I'm, you know, my branding is very neutral colors and that's okay. Then listen to my other tips. Okay. But if you have bolder colors or if you have like one color in your branding, that's a little bit bolder, utilize that because again, you have to stand out. Okay. Here's the other thing. What is Facebook's brand color? Blue. Blue. So try to avoid a lot of blue, like especially that darker, like Facebook blue, because people are going to scroll through and it's going to blend into Facebook. So if you can avoid using a lot of blue, you're going to be better off just because the eye you, again, you're creating a pattern interrupt in someone's mind when they're scrolling, you want them to be like, Oh wait, what is that? If it's Facebook blue, they're going to scroll right past it. Um, the other thing is what is everything shaped on Facebook and Instagram, except for your profile picture and like the stories at the top, everything is a square or a rectangle, right? The poster, a rectangle, your, uh, like all the sidebar is a square rectangle. You have the top of your pages are rectangles. Your screens are rectangles, right? Everything is a rectangle. So Again, thinking about psychology here and creating a pattern interrupt, using more fluid shapes or circles are going to benefit you because again, it's different than everything else that they're seeing. If you're creating a graphic with like some fun little splotches or like fluid motions or circles, they're like, wait, what is that? Because it doesn't look like everything else. So just statistically, they they do perform better. Graphics perform better when they have those. So that's the other thing. And then I am a big fan of what I like to call like a combo graphic. And that for me means that my graphics and you'll see them. If you ever see some of my ads, they're pretty, um, like they, they're definitely ours. And that's because we like a certain style. And that is, we like to have the fun little like shapes, circles in the background, And then we like to have the client's face on the graphic, because if I can see your face on, on a graphic, I'm now like you're a human. So I connect with you, right? People enjoy faces. Um, so that's kind of our style. The other stuff that works is, you know, just outlandish stuff obviously always works. So you'll see some advertisers that will do like crazy weird videos. And it's just because they're getting attention. So thinking about how do you capture attention? It's going to be the brighter colors. It's going to be the fluid movements in, um, and shapes in your graphics and, or something just like outlandish. Tell us, that's awesome. Tell us about text. Like, should we be doing these like long form sales letters or should we have like these real quick punchy, like, here's the deal, here's the benefits, here's the call to action or, or both or what, what goes in addition to the imagery? Okay. So the text portion of your ad is called copy. It's called ad copy. And what you want to start with is a hook. So just like fishing, you're going to put the bait on, 
and you want to you want to hook on your ideal client, right? So that's the first like two to three lines of your copy. That's called the hook. And that's typically the only thing that you see in an ad. So next time you see an ad on Facebook or Instagram, pay attention to this because you're only going to see the first two to three lines. And then it's going to say dot, 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 see more. So that's why the hook is the most important part of your copy. So you want to really like, you want to really capture your audience with that. And sometimes when you're writing it, you might want to hire somebody else to write it. But if you're writing it, it's good to write the rest of your copy. And then you can go back and change that, that um, hook. The next part is sympathizing typically with the ideal client. So tell them... I like to always address pain points because every single person has pain points. And if you're not telling them, like, I see you, I hear you, I know you, I know what you're going through. This is what life probably looks like and feels like you're kind of missing the opportunity to, to sell to them in many ways. So that's kind of a format that works really well for us is going into then like, Hey, does this sound familiar? Um, you know, have you ever experienced this? Right. And then kind of doing some bullet points of, of things that your ideal client is currently going through. And ideally this, these are things that you're going to help them solve quickly. All right. And then you move into like, it doesn't have to be that way. I like to look at it. Like I visualize this a lot, like as if you're standing next to your, um, your ideal client. Okay. Or customer. And you like are standing next to them and you're like, man, you know, you're at the bottom of a mountain and their goal is to climb to the top of that mountain in front of you. And you're like, that's a big mountain. I know. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, it does suck down here. Right. And they're like, yeah, it does suck. And it's, you know, it's, it's hot down here and it's like muddy down here. And it just like, look at your shoes. They they're, you know, covered in mud and you're, you're sympathizing with them. And then you're pumping them up to climb the mountain. And you're going to tell them, I'm going to get you to the top. So if you kind of imagine it, like you're sitting with them and saying like, I see you, I hear you, this sucks, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to stay, stay here. You can get up to there. That's your goal. Let's get up there together. And then you're helping them on that journey, right? That's what we're all doing is we're just helping people with a solution that you provide. So don't miss out on that moment with them to empathize with what they're going through. A lot of coaches say, I don't want to bring up negative stuff. I don't want to bring up the pain points because they're optimistic. Yeah. It's negative energy, but listen, you're doing them a disservice. If you're like, everything's great. Cause it's not. And that's, and you solve a problem. We all solve problems. So you need to be understanding that, you know, they're going through something and you're going to help them solve it. So that's kind of how I let the, the hook, then you go into here's the, here's what you're going through, right? It doesn't have to be that way. Here's what we're going to work on together. Here's what we can do and give them a promise and then a call to action. So the call to action should be sign up for my free webinar or register for my free workshop and tell them what to do. Don't forget the call to action. A lot of people then just end their copy without telling people what to do. And so people are like, oh, okay. Right. You so have click to click here to and, and register for the training we're going to be doing and for yep. the webinar or whatever. Exactly. Be specific. That's awesome. 
Um, let's talk about targeting a little bit. If somebody's developing cold targeting, um, we can just use uh, me as an example. I've kind of got two audiences. I have the whole speaker, author, coach, consultant person, and then I have the this WordPress professional who essentially builds sites for the expert industry or um, just the general like WordPress site building agency community. Um, if I were to look at one or the other, like if I went to the the uh, WordPress website building community side, uh, who are who are you know building the sites for the client, um, they're typically twenty five to fifty. There's a wide age range. It's split down the middle, male, female. Um, they usually are, are pretty. By the time they get able to do these kind of more complex sites, LMS, e-commerce, all this stuff, they've been in the game. They've been building websites for at least two to three years. How do I target those people? And they're all over the world, but there's definitely more in certain countries and so on. Um, so how just using that as an example, how do we how do we target effectively? Like what kind of things do we look at? So I would look at first, like make a list of your competitors. Okay. So what are some other um what are some other programs or softwares that also serve your your audience, right? That they also buy or they also like write those down and then think about WordPress. Like you can target people who like WordPress. Um, now some of those people are not gonna be <clears throat> developers or designers. They're gonna some of them are gonna be just users, right? Yeah. But you're gonna always have a few people slip through the cracks. Um so I would write first down your competitors. I like to what I call steal other people's audiences. So I have people do this, new clients do this. When we start working together, we have an hour meeting together. And I literally ask them like who all their competitors are. And um, I ask them a bunch of questions about their ideal client because that helps us with targeting. It's a lot easier for you to take an audience that already is interested in your niche in your field than to get really broad and try to tell people who like, for instance, maybe you're like, I want to target college graduates that have a, that are interested in computer science. Okay. That's a pretty broad audience though. Not all yeah. of them are going to be website, you know, developers and designers. Um, you know, they're just not. So yeah. that's a, and then having to kind of talk them into buying your program or looking more into it, you have to then do a lot of selling. I would rather you attract what I call hell yes clients. Like people that are like, yes, I'm already into this. This is great. I can't believe I got this ad. This is exactly what I've been looking for. Right. So find competitors who are, and typically they're going to be people who are doing better than you or have bigger companies and target them. So that's what I would recommend. There's a lot of different like WordPress plugins that actually you can target. I know this because I have, I had a client once who taught web de development and that's what we did and her ads crushed it. So there's definitely an audience out there, plugin, plugin companies. That's awesome. Let's shift gears into your journey as a, what I call an education entrepreneur. You have an academy. Um, you have. I, I use this framework myself, so I love seeing it out there. The do it yourself, done with you, and then done for you. If you create, if you're an expert in something, you kind of have these three 
kind of business models you can build. Can you walk us through the difference between uh, the done for you, the done with you, and then the DIY Academy uh, that you've created? I think it's super cool. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we have, I have a full service, Facebook and Instagram ads agency, and that's obviously done for you. Clients don't have to do a thing. They just approve graphics, copy, and they're like, yay, they get an ad report every week. It's, you know, this is, that's really for somebody who's at high six, seven figures um, plus, right? It's not going to be for somebody who's just starting out on their journey or, you know, kind of skating by at six figures. It's not really for that client. But what I found was I had been running ads for a few years for clients um, in our agency. And I had a lot of people in my inbox all the time, which I'm sure you can relate to, right? And they're just asking you ad questions or tech questions about whatever you do. A lot of you can probably understand this, right? But they're not qualified for your done for you service, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, but they're asking like, Hey, I've been running ads and they're not working. Do you have any advice? Like, can I buy an hour of your time? Do you have any like program or course that you recommend? Um, just asking me so many questions. I got a lot of questions asking if I recommended an ads coach or, or any of that. And so what I did was I did a lot of research in the market, like, okay, you know, maybe there is someone already out there that does this and I'm going to find someone so I can recommend them to these people. Cause I was getting messages like a lot a day. So I really couldn't find anything though. There were, there were a couple programs out there in the market that served either like digital marketers, but never served the actual client. Like, Hey, you want to do your own ads? There was nobody, there was nobody really teaching that, that I found. And they would either, there was like a couple of courses, but again, there's like outdated content. There's some that I actually purchased. Cause I was like, Hey, maybe this is going to be something I can recommend. And then it would be like, the video was like three years old. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not even how ads manager looks anymore. That's going to confuse people. And then what I realized was people were confused because they went through the training, right. They would go buy a course. Uh, I had a client who was like, who's now in my membership, but in my program, but she was like, I spent three grand on an ads course. I went through it and then I had nobody to ask questions to after. So I felt like I never really learned anything because when I started to actually create my ad, I had so many questions. So that was kind of what most people's, you know, the most people's story was similar to that. So that's when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to create it. I'm going to create, there's obviously a gap in the market and I'm going to create something that is a mix between like, go like, you know, a hybrid essentially of a course and a coaching program. So you have access to ad experts to ask questions to, you can hop on live calls and get help, but you also have up-to-date training on advertising. So you can just go in and watch videos if that's more your style. And so, and then we ended up adding on an ads coach. So everybody in the program also has an ads coach who checks in with them weekly and monthly, and you get a one-on-one call with. So there's a few people in the program, um, that now have, you know, six figure businesses, maybe their work is like, you know, more, they don't, they don't want to get on a group call. They don't want people to know what kind of what they're working on. 
So that's a good opportunity for them to kind of work one-on-one with an ad expert and get their problem solved quick, quickly. So there's kind of that, that's kind of the model we ended up creating. Um, in addition to that, like we do like one-on-one strategy sessions and kind of build something out with people. But this, the program we created is really a hybrid of like DIY and done with you because most of our members need someone to walk them through things. Or they have questions as they, they get in the weeds. What, yeah. um, this is a really important skill as an education entrepreneur, especially in a technical field with lots of jargon, like ads and tech and Facebook and stuff. How, how did you um, approach creating like effective training videos and whatnot where you didn't kind of talk over people or get too much techno jargon involved so that you didn't overwhelm them and get them lost? Like, how did you do that? Yeah, we have a dictionary. <laughs> we have a dictionary that we um we created. So it's one of the first modules and they can go through like here's some common terms, right? You're going to hear us say this, this is what they mean. Um uh, and then they have like a p- whole PDF that they can go through and print out. So I actually even have like my team has it printed out and they like, put it on their walls and stuff. But we do that and I also make sure that when we hire new people, like hire new coaches and stuff, we make sure that they fit our education kind of style, which is really simplifying high level strategy, because this stuff is really complicated for people. It's overwhelming. It's it's frustrating for a lot of people. And so we have to find a way to really oversimplify it sometimes. And I, to be honest, there's still times that I forget and I'll start kind of talking the talk. And I'm like, wait a second. I can tell eyes are glazing over. I have to kind of pedal back and, and explain myself. But um, we try to really kind of overboard the basics. So people have an idea. That's awesome. That's Shelby Fowler from Fimpire Media, fimpiremedia.com. Go check that out. Go check out her Fimpire Ads Academy. Any final words for the people out there and other ways they can connect with you? Um, Definitely check out my website. If you're interested in learning ads and having kind of that done with you model, you can look at Fempire Media, um, Fempire Ads Academy at the top like bar of the website. You can click on there um, and you can always book a free consult. So if you want to know if you're ready for ads or how much you need to spend um, or if done with you or done for you is a better option, like book a call and let's chat. Awesome. So that's fimpiremedia.com. Shelby, thank you again for coming on the show. I get asked so many Facebook ads questions, which I'm not a great expert at. So I, I have this amazing piece of content, uh, to send people to now. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.